Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can always learn more about the vision or get financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. Good morning, Awaken Church. If we could just keep doing worship, I would. That message, Jaira, you are good enough, speaks to us, but I'm super excited. My name is Lucas Denson. I am... The Awaken Somerville Campus Pastor, I am super honored and thrilled to be with you this morning. We got some Somerville love in the house. I might say it a couple times. The staff gets on me because I introduce myself as the Awaken Somerville Campus Pastor like every five minutes. And so um, I'm super excited to be here. But before we get started, I'd like to give two shout outs to people in the room and online. The first shout out is our production team, our incredible production team. Let's show them some love. Our camera guys, the guys doing the sound, the lights, the music. And I want to give a special shout out to the camera guys because I've gotten some feedback when I first started here three months ago. And I was hosting with Pastor Ted and I like to move around a lot. And it's really tough for the camera guys to follow me around one half of the stage. But guess what? I've got this full stage today. And so I've never seen camera guys stretch before a service, but they were stretching they were touching their toes. They were, getting, you know, just stretching their arms out so they can be ready for the day. So I'm praying for you guys. You guys are going to kill it. And for our online team, you guys can go ahead and do an emoji. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, just do an emoji for our camera guys. Show them some love. And the second shout-out is for our lead pastors, for Pastor Brandon and Ashley Bowers. I know they're watching online. I just want to say a huge, huge Thank you. Thank you for the way you lead our church. Thank you for the way you lead in your marriage. Thank you for the way you parent. My wife and I, Emily, we are humbled to be underneath your leadership and to be a part of a life-giving local church here in the Low Country. And so I know we're taking ground here in the Low Country, and I'm honored and thrilled to do it alongside you guys. So thank you, Pastor Brandon Ashley. Bowers, we are so happy and thrilled to be underneath your leadership. And so with that being said, I want you guys to get to know a little bit more about myself. Throughout the message, you'll get to know more about me. But I am married to the most wonderful woman in the world. She is seated right over here. Her name is Emily Denson. We've been married for 10 years. We are from Charleston. Actually, the Somerville side, we are from Charleston. And we have four boys. We have ranging from eight years old to three weeks old. And our three, three weeks old, he's a VIP. I didn't realize this. It is his very first time here. His name is Sullivan Shepherd Denson. Mama's healthy. Baby is healthy. We're super excited to bring our family here. They love eight kids. They love, they ask every single weekend, can we go to church? Can we go to church? They are leading the way for us to come to church. And so we love eight kids and what you guys pour into our kids. And so before we came back here, we actually got married at a young age. And the last 10 years, we've spent time on the West Coast, the East Coast, the middle of the country. Due to a mixture of military commitments, I was in the Coast Guard. And also being a part of some life-giving local churches that were incredible for us. But we found ourselves late last year 
praying and asking the question, what would it look like for us to come back home into our hometown, to be closer to our family? My entire family is here. My parents are here. Her parents are here. Our siblings are here. And we knew that we wanted to be close to family. And having four boys, we need all the help we can get. And family provides that. And so we decided to pray about it. And we found ourselves moving here in January. Had lunch with Pastor Tevin, the Charleston campus pastor, shortly after that. And we went all in. We knew Awaken was our home church, that we were going to call this place home. We were going to make an impact here. And then found a couple weeks later, found our opportunity to step in and lean in and be the Awaken Somerville campus pastor. And we are thrilled. My wife and I, we are thrilled to be in our hometown in Somerville. We were, she went to high school, I went to Fort, and we get to make a difference and reach the people in our community. And we know that that campus in our launch groups is already making a difference. We saw people get baptized last week because they're in launch groups. We have startups nights meeting every other week, and you might be here because of startup night. God is moving through our church, and we are actually seeing Somerville people Drive here early on Sunday to serve over in A-Kids, to serve in guest services, to make a difference here. And so I'm super thankful that God is already moving through our campus. We're not meeting in person. We're meeting here together. But God is moving in Somerville through Awaken Church. So I'm super thankful. And this is all leads us to today and what we get to walk through over the last next few minutes. So let's pray. Father God, we just come to you today, Lord. I'm so thankful that I get to be preaching and teaching today, God. I pray, Lord, that you would communicate clearly through me and that you would touch hearts, God, that you would touch marriages, that parents would find hope today. I pray that in your beautiful son's name, Jesus Christ, amen. And so we're in the middle of a series called Test Positive throughout the summer. And this is week four. I get to close out this thing. And so um, the two things that I've learned throughout this series is the first thing is that Whatever season and whatever week and whatever month or whatever day you are in, you can always have a positive or joyful mindset. And that's what I've learned throughout this series. And the second thing I've learned out through this series is it's really tough. It's just really hard to have a consistent, positive, and joyful perspective. The world is not going to push us towards joy. It's not going to push us towards positivity. The world's not going to do that, but our God will. And that's what we learned over the last three weeks. And to keep on pace with the last three weeks of this series, I'd like to close out this series and turn it from a four-week series to a series that we take to our life, that we live out. It becomes a lifestyle. And so I'm super honored to do that. And so today's message is titled, Test Positive, Yesterday, Today. And tomorrow. And so the question we're going to answer today, the question that we're going to address today is, how do we sustain a life of positivity and joy? And so I want us to be thinking about that throughout this sermon. How do we sustain a life of positivity and joy? But first I want to address, have you ever, in a season or in a moment, wondered how you got there? In a weird place, you find yourself in an awkward moment, and you're like, how did I get in this spot? What plan brought me to this situation? And let me explain with a story. This was me a few years ago. Four o'clock in the morning, playing video games, sitting on my ottoman, because the couch was too far away from the TV. And so I scooted the ottoman as close as, up, close as I could. Four o'clock in the morning, playing video games with the wife and kids, fast 
asleep. And knowing that when I was getting, uh, wrapping up the video games at 4 o'clock in the morning, I had to be at work at 7.30. That's not good. And so God interceded in that moment and pointed out two things. He pointed out that this is my fourth night in a row playing video games till 4 o'clock in the morning. I didn't make a plan to play video games till 4 o'clock in the morning. I just did it. There was no intention behind that. And then also God asked me a question. He said, hey, how is this making you a better father? Hey, how is this returning value into your marriage? How is this making you a better leader? How are you growing in your relationship with Christ in this moment? And so at 4 o'clock in the morning, I made a drastic decision. Because at 4 o'clock in the morning, you don't make great decisions. I went over into the kitchen. You know those steak knives that you buy that sit on the countertop? Those scissors, I don't know what you use those scissors for, but the scissors in the steaks, the steak knives, I grabbed those scissors and I found a purpose for them. I walked over to my Xbox console and I went, boom, I cut that sucker. Powers out. Demolished it. No more playing video games for me. I felt good about my decision. I went to sleep, woke up an hour later. <laughs> Texted my wife in the morning when I was at work, said, hey, no more video games. I cut the cord. We get home later that day, and she's like, what do you mean you cut the cord? And I was like, let me show you. I walk over, and I show her the cord, and it's cut right in half. She was relieved, but also disappointed because it's a $500 console, and we could have easily just posted it on Facebook Marketplace and sold it for $200. But I cut the cord. And the reason why I cut the cord is because I was tired of letting something get in the way of what God was leading me to. I didn't make a plan to be there. There was no attention behind it. But I cut the cord. So this message for me was birthed out of a moment of conviction from God and cutting of the power cord. But this message isn't about convincing you to go home and make a drastic decision about cutting the cord. It's about coming up with a play to not get there. Coming up with a play to not be at four o'clock in the morning playing video games or whatever it is for you. What is the play for your life? Because I believe that we need to be intentional so we can end up somewhere on purpose. And I believe it's going to lead us to a perspective that we can sustain of joy and positivity. So what is it? I believe we do this by living a life of discipline. And to start, we should... Define what discipline means because I know we have a melting pot of generations and so many different definitions of what discipline is. So we need to to get on the same page on what it is. And so here's what Webster says. I have to start with Webster because they're the professionals at defining things. And so here's what Webster says. It says, discipline is training that corrects, molds, or perfects the mental faculties or moral character. And so here, so that definitely sounds like a Webster definition, right? Yes, so I had to look up that definition to actually figure out what it meant. And so here's what the Bible says. In Proverbs 22, 15, it says, Although rebellion is woven into a young man's heart, tough discipline can make him into a man. Here's what Hebrews 12, 11 says. Now all discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time. Yet later it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield it. And so to summarize, 
to one sentence, I believe we can all agree that discipline is the bridge between who we are and who we want to become. Write that down. Discipline is the bridge between who we are and who we want to become. That's very important to living a life of positivity and joy. So we are going to walk through three disciplines I believe we can all relate to and grow from. And the first one is the discipline of our time. And so time is very important. We have 24 hours in a day, seven days a week, 12 months in a year. So time is very important. We can't add to it. We're just given time. So here's what the Bible says about time, because we should really see what the Bible says about time. And so Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, it says, So then be careful how you live. Do not be unwise, but wise, making the best use of your time, because the times are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And Luke 14, 28, For which of you, wanting to build a tower, doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? And then finally, in James 4, 13 through 14, he says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such town, stay there a year, conduct business, and make money. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Time is very important. The Bible talks about how we spend our time and how short this life is. And what I believe is that we can't save time, but only spend it differently. We can't save time, but we can spend it differently. Taking time from lower value areas of our lives and spending it in higher value areas of our life. And so I believe we need to create a budget. Yes, I said budget, not a financial budget, even though you should have one. But we need to create a time budget. We need to create a time budget, telling our time where it should go. And that will lead us to a place where we are intentional with spending the time we have instead of the world spending the time we have. That's what we are up against. We are up against the world trying to spend our time for us. And if you don't believe me, let me share a quote with you from Reed Hastings. He is the CEO of Netflix, and he was recently asked in an interview, hey, who's the number one competitor for Netflix? Like, who is the number one competitor for Netflix? And here is his response. When you watch a show from Netflix and you get addicted to it, you stay up late at night, and the barrier of growth for Netflix is the people's need for sleep. Sleep is the number one competitor for Netflix. And he goes on later to say he actually believes that they're winning the battle between Netflix and sleep. It's not Disney Plus, it's not ESPN Plus, it's not Instagram. It is our God-given creation and the need for sleep that's getting in the way of Netflix. And they're coming up with plans. And they're having meetings about how to combat our need for sleep. So the world is going after our time. And when I first read this quote, I was blown away by that mentality. But it opened my eyes to the fact that we've got so many things that are looking to spend our time. And if we don't set a budget on how we will spend our time, then our time will get spent for us. And if the devil can distract us and spend our time, then that keeps us from what God has for us. And I believe a few examples, real-life examples for us, um, 
in a number of ways. The first way is, uh, you know, staying up later than you should to only wake up later than you should. I think majority of us, if not all of us, have always made the plan to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to read our Bible, to have the worship session, right? We always make that plan, but we always stay up till 12 o'clock, one o'clock in the morning. So what if we got intentional about how we end our nights, then it can lead to how we start our mornings. What if we got intentional about how we ended our nights and that will lead to how we can be intentionally starting our mornings? So instead of making the goal or making the plan to wake up at five o'clock in the morning, how about let's go to bed at nine o'clock at night? Because you can set the goal at five o'clock in the morning, but if you go to bed too late, I guarantee you're not waking up at five o'clock in the morning. So let's start with the night before. I believe, that, I believe that's where God's leading us today. What about your time on your phone? Have you ever intended, and I, I hope a lot of you can relate to this, because it's definitely going to be me if, if, if you don't, but uh, have, have, you, have any of you ever intended to watch a how-to video on YouTube and just to find yourself an hour later watching how the earth is flat? <laughs> or better yet for me, my guilty pleasure is watching street fights. It just is. And it's probably because I'm from Latin, South Carolina. <laughs> it's just what we do. I'll be in bed, and she's like, what you watching? I'm like, babe, I'm sorry. I'm like 45 minutes into this street fight montage. I'm sorry. I think we've all been there. Or it's social media. And you're just on the never-ending scroll of Facebook or Instagram. It just never ends. And the most guilty thing is, or convicting thing is going on to your screen time at the end of the week and just seeing how much time you spent each and every single day. It's convicting. But it's also revealing. It leads you to make changes. Or for me, I love listening to podcasts. I absolutely love listening to podcasts. On the way to work, on the way home, on vacation, in the morning, whatever it is. I like listening to fantasy football podcasts. UFC podcasts, politics podcasts. I like listening to those podcasts, but they never return value into my life. A fantasy football podcast isn't going to make me a better husband. It's not going to make me a better parent. It's not going to equip me and develop me as a leader. It barely makes me better at fantasy football. (laughs) Barely. And I have some brothers in the room, and they can affirm that. They can confirm that. I'm not really good at fantasy football, but I will put the time in to listen to all the fantasy football podcasts to not get any better. But I'll tell you today that they make podcasts to pour into your marriage. They make podcasts to equip you as a parent. They make podcasts to take you deeper in your faith. So you just need to be intentional. I need to be intentional with how we spend our time and utilize these tools that God has given us. So we need to create a budget. It's time to make a budget, and be intentional with how we spend our time so we can end up somewhere on purpose. It's time to sit down by ourselves or with our spouse and get practical and lay out all 24 hours and plan on how we want to spend our time. If we can take an honest look at how we spend the 24 hours we have in a day, I believe we can all agree that creating a budget on how we spend our time each day and weeks will bring intentionality on how we grow and begin to make a difference in the area that God is leading. You can't save time, but you can spend it differently. And the second discipline is the discipline of our emotions. And the Bible says about emotions in Philippians 4, 6 through 8, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. 
Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And what I appreciate about this verse, it's when we're getting emotionally and we're getting high emotions, it tells us exactly what to do. It says, pray about everything and tell God what you need need, and thank him for all he has done. I believe this verse lays it out simple for us. This verse lays out the instructions, but I think we get it wrong a lot of the time. Because we say this verse is taking us, telling us to go to God. But when we get emotional, we take our emotions to the world. And if you need proof of this, after service today, go to Facebook. Just scroll and you'll see a few status updates. You'll see your friends bringing their emotions to the world. And I'm guilty of it too. I frequently go into Facebook and look at my memories. And I'll see that 12 years ago, I had 10 status updates. You should never have 10 status updates in a day. It should not happen. But I did 12 years ago. And they were ranging from breaking up with my girlfriend to two hours later, having the best girlfriend ever. Or, hey, it's a Monday night. Who's down to chill? Or, hey, I'm at work. I need a new job. I hate my life. I think we all can relate to that. Or maybe you don't go to social media. Maybe you keep it private. Maybe you keep it within your home. Maybe you're in here and you're struggling with anger, anxiety, discouragement, or any of the other thousand emotions out there. And only, the only people that see it is your spouse, your kids, or your close friends. I've been there. I've been married 10 years. I've been a parent for almost nine. I've yelled once or twice, mostly because trying to get out of the door is a crazy. I'm always thinking that we got to be somewhere super early, and we always can't find the kids' shoes. And so I lose my temper every now and then. But it could be something so small, just like finding the shoes on the way out the door. It could be something so small that sets us off because we've allowed small thing after small thing to compile. And we reach a tipping point, And we allow our friends and families to become the victims of our emotional outbursts. I'm guilty of this. But we can be thankful because this isn't a new thing for people to be emotional. But we actually see emotion in Scripture. We heard Pastor Tevin talk in week one about David in the Psalms. David was emotional. He, he expressed loneliness. He expressed thankfulness, shame, joy, pain, and so many more. We even see Jesus express emotion. He wept. He felt deep compassion for people. And he even displayed distress and anxiety in Mark 14, 32-36. They went to the olive grove. Grove And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. 
Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. So what's the difference between my Facebook post 12 years ago or my private emotional outburst or your private emotional outburst and what David is doing in Psalms or what Jesus is doing in the gospel? What is the difference? The difference is that we take our emotions and give the world a microphone into speaking into our lives, seeking validation, answers, clarity from the world. But what David and Jesus is doing is that they give God the voice. And they do this through faith. And they were able to give their emotions to God and allow God to be the leading voice in how we should live and feel. And I believe the devil has a plan. The devil wants us to live a life from emotion to emotion. But God wants us to live a life of faith in him. The devil wants us to live a life of emotion to emotion. But God wants us to live a life of faith in him. Jesus did did this by trusting a few with his emotions. He took three disciples with him. He trusted a few with his emotions and he trusted God with his emotions. And I believe that's what God is calling us to, to do today. Two mentalities for emotions, for discipline of emotions. It's faith over feelings and it's a few over the world. Write that down. It's faith over feelings and it's a few over the world. So let's recap the first two disciplines. It's the discipline of our time. We can't save time, but we can spend it differently. And the second one is the discipline of our emotions. We must live with the mentality of faith over feelings and the few over the world. And I believe that this next discipline is the one that helps us in all areas of our lives and is really the foundation of a disciplined life full of joy and positivity. And it's the discipline of our surrender. I believe every area of our life stems from this discipline. And it's the discipline of our surrender. And in Luke, we see the Bible address our surrender. In Luke 9, 23 through 25, it says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? I believe this verse is clear in telling us that God can do more through our surrender than we can ever do through our control. God can do more through our surrender than we could ever do through our control. Our surrender helps mold and shape who we were created to be. We all have things in our life that we like to hold on to and not let go of. It's the baggage that we hold on to in this life that will keep us from stepping into what God has in store for us. So let's loosen up control. Let's loosen the grip on the things that we hold in this life today and then again tomorrow. But let's start with today. I want to get a little practical. Emily, I'm coming home. Just let you know. I'm not going anywhere after this. No surprise trip to Orlando or anything like that. But this is the baggage we carry. If you're a believer, you have baggage. If you've yet to put faith in Jesus Christ, you have baggage. And we carry it each and every day. What does your baggage look like? What do you carry around? It's pretty tough to carry this around right now. 
What is your baggage full of? Is it pain? Is it depression? Is it your marriage that's falling apart? Is it your kids? Is it addiction? Is it your finances? Maybe you're just in a tough season. Is it your identity? And see, like, what we like to do with this baggage is we like to take it to the world. I've said this multiple times. We like to take our baggage to the world and like to check it in. But there's always a fee. And we always end up leaving with more baggage, more pain, more in debt. Our marriage is farther off than what God had intended. Is it what you watch late at night? Is it in these bags? Because I believe that Jesus Christ is calling us to surrender these, to surrender our baggage. And the only place that we can surrender is where the price was paid. And that's at the foot of the cross. He wants you to drop them. He wants you to release and surrender your pain. Surrender your marriage. Surrender your kids. Because the next generation will stand on what you surrender today. The people that you lead tomorrow will stand on what you surrender today. And maybe you've yet to put faith in Jesus. Maybe he's calling you to surrender your life to him. Because we were intended to live our lives full of baggage, full of pain. We were intended to live our life with our hands open on the other side of the cross, ready to serve, ready to live in our purpose, ready to pick up the rag. This rag is our purpose. Our purpose does not serve us, but it serves others. Ready to wash feet or ready to point others to Jesus Christ and what the cross did. Because when you are free from your baggage, you lead others to freedom. When you are free, you lead others to freedom. That happens in the church. That happens in small groups. That happens in A-kids. And when you step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to pick up baggage on the way. You're going to be experiencing pain. Your marriage is going to go through some ups and downs. You're going to experience depression. You might experience financial woes. And the devil wants to make you pick up this baggage again. And so every single day, Hit your knees. I grew up in a home where I watched my parents hit their knees every morning and every night and surrender it all. And so whether you're a believer or not, you need to surrender the baggage and don't let the devil distract you. Surrender the baggage today. And what I want everyone to know that here at Awakened Church, we don't have baggage fees. We don't have baggage fees. We are flying southwest up in here. We don't have baggage fees because those, those fees were paid over 2,000 years ago. Those fees were paid over 2,000 years ago. It's because of the good news of Jesus Christ. And this good news is that God created you and I. And he loves us and wants us to experience peace and eternity with him but we choose to disobey God and go our willful way. And this results in separation from God. Due to the separation, God sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross and raise from the grave. And this sacrifice and this payment of penalty for our sin bridged the gap between God and people. And we must trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and receive him. And once we do, we can live in freedom of baggage that will hold us back from reaching the world for him. 
This is what the local church looks like. This is what you are giving your life to. You can't take your baggage to the world. You can take it to the cross because that's where the fees were paid. That's where the price was paid with Jesus Christ's blood. That's where we can take our baggage. The enemy will try to distract us and get us to pick some baggage back up. And that's why every day we start from a posture of surrender. And we give everything over to God. Can you imagine if we did this? If we got it right? What would it look like if we got the discipline of our time? The discipline of our emotions? What if we got the discipline of our surrender? What would our marriage look like? What would your home look like? What would our neighborhoods look like? What would our church look like? Can you imagine? But I believe it starts with our surrender. That's where it should start. So I believe that God is inviting us to respond in this moment. So I don't want to miss it. So let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for the ability and the opportunity to bring a message of surrender because you preached this message over 2,000 years ago when you sent your son to die on the cross for us. And God, I want to speak to two people in the room. I want to speak to the believers, the ones that have stepped into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've put your faith in Jesus and you've picked some baggage up on the way. Maybe your marriage is in a tough spot. Maybe you're a workaholic. Maybe you have some depression. Maybe your finances are in, 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 in struggle. And you've picked up some baggage. I want to invite you to respond. And I want to invite you into a moment where you can hand that over. I want to point you back to the cross, to where the price was paid. And get you back on track to live in your purpose. To have intentionality. So if that's you, if you're a believer and you want to surrender some baggage, if you want to surrender some pain, if that's you, if you want to go ahead and shoot your hand up, I want to pray for you. I see hands everywhere. It's good. Up and... Father God, I just pray for these hands. I pray for the hands that are up. I pray, Lord, that you would help them surrender their baggage. I pray, Lord, that you would lead them to a circle of people that help keep them accountable to help keep pointing them to the cross. And for the other half of the room to get to put your faith in Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that now. I want, you to invite, I want to invite you to surrender your life because Jesus Christ came to this earth, to this broken earth over 2,000 years ago, lived a life that we could not live to transform this world. And I believe he wants to transform your world right here, right now. And three days later, when he died, he was resurrected three days later. And we can live in relationship with him. From death to life. Into a relationship with him. And so if you haven't surrendered your life to God, on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up as high as you can. And your hand wide open, losing control and surrendering the baggage. So on the count of three, shoot your hand up. One, two, Three. I see hands. Thank you, thank you. Who wants to step from death to life? Who else? So good. Well, God, I want to thank you for those hands. 
I pray for those hands, God. I pray that a church would rally around them, a community would rally around them, God. I want to thank you for the sacrifice for your son surrendering his life so that we could live in freedom. And I pray, Lord, that those individuals that raise their hands would pursue you, would pursue this church. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.